Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the My Mate Podcast. Uh, super stoked that you're with me and hoping that you've been enjoying, you have been enjoying the episodes thus far. I have a guest today who I've been super pumped to speak to ever since I befriended her partner, actually. Uh, me and Nick have become pretty good mates. We met at a CrossFit gym back in Melbourne and I met her in passing at their house and um, she had this m- really mad aura about her and then Nick started telling me about what she does and I was super interested in in having a chat to her because psychology of the you know study of the mind has many different facets and her facet is specifically alluring because it explores this idea that we are not all that we think we are um, in layman's terms and that can be scary initially but the more you kind of look down it and the more you kind of integrate some of that stuff depending on who you are and how you want to function in this world um, the more beneficial it can be for you so our podcast guest today is elise carr her website is www.stellamuse.com that's s-t-e-l-l-a-m-u-s-e.com and she explores this idea called sacred guidance which is like psychology for the soul and if I've lost you at the word soul already, try not to hang up on the uh, on the podcast, guys. We do explore that just from a logistical and more or less superficial um, means just to get people kind of interested in this sort of thing. If you want to be interested in it, it's, some, it's an area that I'm pretty interested in. Um, but I also try to use it as obviously Elise does into this, into this world that we're all living in now as well. So if you kind of think about psychology for the soul, an aspect of the study of the mind is in thoughts and feelings. And the psychology of the soul is looking at a deeper spectrum of how those thoughts and feelings, where they come from, how they relate to who you are and, and go, going in deeper to really kind of find you. So it's we're like exploring an, an inward journey. And I hope I get this right, Elise, if you do listen to this intro, but Elise is kind of like a guide to help you with that journey, which can be really, can be quite a struggle sometimes because we live in a world where there's so much distraction and we haven't really allowed ourselves to manifest. So, you know, we don't know ourselves maybe as, 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 as much as we should. So we do things and we run around and, you know, um, complete all these errands and, I wonder why we're doing that, you know, and the deeper that we go, basically just the more we get to know ourselves by moving ourselves away from all of that stimulus, some stuff can come up sometimes, you know, you hear about this in breathwork meditation or in hypnosis, even just in a normal temptation, people can get really quite afraid because it's like, oh shit, who, you know, who the fuck am I? Or, or this stuff that's coming up, I know it's been there, but I've neglected to deal with it for a very long time. So there are people out there like Elise that can, have, that can help you on a journey like that, which is really cool. Uh, we go into really interesting stuff, guys, and I, we do try to explore it um, you know, without using too much esoteric or um, you know, spiritual terminology if it's, if it's an area that you're, you're just coming into, which is, which is what it is for me because I need to learn about these definitions and what these words actually mean myself. So I really hope you enjoyed this episode, guys, and I'll speak to you in a bit. Bye. From this distant vantage point, the earth might not seem of any particular interest. But for us, preserve, cherish, the only home we've ever known. The Pale Blue Dot. 
Okay, so Elise, welcome to the MindMac podcast. Thank you so much for having me, darling Tom. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> I'm really, uh, I'm really pumped about this actually. So, for all the um, the listeners who are listening at home or wherever you are, um, I met Elise through Nick, who is her lovely partner, fiance, husband, boyfriend. None of that. Just partner. Love it. We've yeah. got all the love we need without the paper. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's a I think that's a good way to look at it. Um and I have been pumped about this ever since Nick informed me of that, I guess, realm you could say of the esoteric psychological aspect of the mind. And that's that's an area that I've been really looking into, been reading a lot about it. And um one of the things that I've I've I guess I've struggled to Define. I'm, I'm interested in the way you could talk about it. Is um, when people talk about like a like a calling um, or like a, a feel that you need to explore some sort of inner aspect of yourself. Could you tell us how you would like define a calling? I guess. Yeah, that's a really beautiful question. Obviously, this is very interpretive, and mm. I come from at the moment a very, I guess, esoteric, tantric, Buddhist, yogic perspective. That's really my field. So. Yeah. When we think of a calling, while some people might call it God or grace or the divine or universe, I guess I see that as a soul kind of vibe, a soul impulse, a soul connection. And often it's almost like a whisper mm. because we're so driven by what we call in orthodox psychology the ego and in esoteric psychology the personality nature mm. that often the soul or that that little subtle voice is so, so quiet that we miss it. So we miss those opportunities to expand our consciousness, expand our life, make the conscious choices and change to be on a more, I guess, aligned path. Mm. So I see it as your soul. And Mm. we're not all deeply connected to it yet. Sometimes we're aspiring or aspirants on the path to be really connected to it. So we have to create the time and space and clear the way for that, that subtle connection, that little nudge to become clearer and louder so that we eventually live from that place. Mm. It's like we want to turn ourselves around like an hourglass. <clears throat> We're at the moment very governed by ego or personality. That's our wants, our needs, our desires, our habits, our addictions. The I need it now, I want it now, why can't I have my way? Mm. Almost a bit of a petulant child or a stroppy teenager yeah. or an aggressive adult. You know, Whatever it is that you relate to, it's part of your personality nature and often we're controlled by that like puppets on a string and therefore we don't deal with our emotional stuff, we don't deal with the baggages, we don't deal with our mental stuff and we definitely can't then have a clear enough pathway to even hear those subtle little callings. So if you're hearing subtle callings, you must have done most likely work in a past life if you believe in that or at least some work in this life to create even a tiny little bit of space to receive that like a little download i suppose yep yep and um yeah another thing that i was um really interested in was the 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 past life idea could you talk about how like it's 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 difficult to talk about this sort of thing from a um you know like you said like a cognitive perspective or like an ego perspective because you know the egos it just doesn't make sense of it really because it's only one aspect of the mind if you look at it like that but how how would you I don't know. How could you say that someone has had a past life, for example? Well, I guess you can look at the ancient wisdom teachings that have been mm. around since, well, long before you and I. Yep. And things are alluded to, whether it's in poetry and literature and science. I mean, essentially, esoteric studies are the science of the soul. Mm. We believe that you are not your body. 
You are not your emotions. You are not your thoughts, therefore not your mind. You are spirit or light or love or a soul having this human experience. And when you go to the next realm, die, cross over, whatever you want to say, the body decomposes. Eventually, you detach from the astral plane where your emotions are. Eventually, you detach from the mental plane where consciousness resides in the mind. Mm. And you are just a soul. The soul is eternal. It is that part of us that is our truth. It is our light. It is our quality. It is our essence. That is what's always there. And that's what we believe mm. in this train of thinking, at least, that it's part of the cycle of life. That's what comes back again. And therefore, we kind of hear concepts, even in the new age pseudo-spiritual world of old souls and young souls, <laughs> you know, like someone who's been here before. It's like you have deja vu. You just kind of know that, something is going to happen or you've been here before like i take the perspective where most likely perhaps you have and if you've done work dharma achieved certain things in a past life you will bring that into this life just like your karma just like the things that you have to work through if you haven't sorted it out before you're going to have to sort it out now that's why we keep coming back to earth it is the school of life we signed up for this so in that sense i guess kind of answer your question i swear it's a very very deep no, of yeah. soul so that's a bit of a, a drop in the right. ocean really but i guess it's a launching pad for us oh definitely definitely and I, th I think as well i mean even on a very um superficial level you could say you know you start to pay closer attention to your thoughts and, and your emotions and you know you spend your the, the motto i'm going to try to live by this year is just getting to know yourself so like you said before, trying to move away from the addiction, move away from the distraction. And I guess the more you spend time with yourself, the more you start to realize all the little things you actually are addicted to and are distracted by that you didn't even think you were. Um, this is a bit of a tangent, but I started to research dreams and interpret dreams. And this, this continuing dream content would come up where I'd be kind of playing a, a sport or playing on a field. And then all of a sudden... The content of the dream would change, and I'd be I'd be choking, and I, I I would always wake up in a in a fright like a like a nightmare, and I interpreted that back to a traumatic uh, experience I had a few years before that, where I was in a fight on the footy field, and the guy from the opposite side um, put me in a chokehold, and it it really freaked me out, but it was just so incredible, and um, there's a lot of pragmatism in that as well, and you're kind of like oh well it could be this could be this, but I've never had that dream since understanding it. And it made so much sense to me. And that's, I guess, when I really started to be like, oh, wow, there's something a lot deeper other than how I relate to material objects and people, I guess, as well in, in this world, you know, in, in, in reality, if you want to call it like that. A lot of people feel like almost, and this is like a harsh word, but like the victim of, 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 uh, of reality because thoughts I guess are things that come to us just as emotions are and sometimes those thoughts and those feelings aren't very nice you know and um, I'm wondering if you could like give some advice to someone who's just like on that starting path you know of how to reclaim that um, that creator uh, mentality as opposed to the victim mentality mm, I love that I just wrote a line about that, actually taking back the power, literally, and being the creator of your own life, mm. essentially, as opposed to a puppet on the string. Mm. And when you kind of touched on the beginning there, 
know, the habits and addictions you don't even realise you have because we sometimes see them as sex addiction, drug addiction, shopping addiction. It can be something really simple like the way you think, mm. the way you react when you have a heated argument with someone you love or care about. What's your default pattern in those times? Becoming more aware of who you are, know thyself, as we say, mm. is the key. This is where we start. It's starting to understand, and we can look at this from, I guess, one perspective, and that is we can see ourselves as kind of three vehicles in our lower nature's kind of context. That vehicle is your physical body, your emotional body on the astral plane, that part of you that goes off and dreams and then comes back, and then your third vehicle being your mind on the mental plane. Mm. And it's these three vehicles that essentially are often controlled by the personality nature and not controlled by the soul. So when I mentioned about that hourglass and flipping ourselves upside down, it's mm. the same thing as being the puppet master, not the puppet. We are mainly governed by our personality nature at the moment. It governs our physical body. I want this. I want that. I need to have this. Those kind of hungers and desires, whether it's for sex, whether it's for stuff, more stuff, status, approval, acceptance, and then the emotions. You know, how someone says something and we have a massive reaction because we interpret it completely wrong. Mm. We take it personally. We take offense. Or the mind and how we, let's say, self-criticize, sabotage, become the victim of our life. So what we can do is see ourselves in this context of having these three lower vehicles, the soul being above or Buddha mentality or light or God or whatever you want to call it, your higher self, the highest version of Tom. Mm kind of up there waiting to take control that personality is driving at the moment. And if we can look at those three lower natures and go, okay, which one is my weakest? Do I really kind of neglect my mind because I'm swimming in my emotions all the time and then I think, oh, well, I better have a green smoothie and kind of nourish my body somewhat to keep myself going? Yeah. Or am I like a type A driver, intellectual, who just needs to get out this next paper, achieve the goal, get that promotion, whatever it is, and it's the detriment of, my heart remaining closed to any intimacy and deep, soulful or meaningful or even intimate connections, you know, or are you someone who's like literally obsessed with physical appearance? Mm. And that can be in a beautification context or it can be in being at the gym to work the muscles, to get the times, to, to be as tan as you can, thin as you can, perky as you can, and it is all consuming. Mm. So find out where your weakest vehicle is. And from there, start to take even just small baby steps to rectify that and bring it more in harmony. Because it's kind of like having three children. If you give all to one, a little to another, and none to your third child, what kind of parenting is this? Yes. It's completely obscene. So we want harmony within ourselves, literally to be that clear channel, right? So that soul can come through. Your higher self can come through. You can make conscious choices. You can have balanced, harmonious emotions. You can have healthy physical body mm. because it's it's your temple for your whole life so a lot of this is perspective change a lot of this is what i call willpower because it takes the will to do good the will to change to ashen these things we can intellectualize them all we want we can feel into them all we want we can contemplate them and sit with them all we want but until we action them they're not really going to get us where we want to go definitely yep and um have you noticed this as well? I'm sure you've played around um, with consciousness to to use that. Um, I was going to you know paint that with a broad brush, but um, it really is kind of having because you do need to have your, your your foot 
in reality as, as, as much as you need to have that that awareness on the outside too. Um, but because um, I, I find that um, people that I speak to, and it was probably because I was moving in that direction as well, is to kind of attract that. You know, we're like, oh, you move into that very, very far scope of, you know, the whole time is an illusion, you know, all that sort of stuff. And you, you, you almost become very disconnected, mm-hmm. really disconnected. But when you start to, you know, take upon these these physical ideas again about willpower and, you know, make sure your body is just as healthy as your mind and all that sort of stuff, you feel very, very much balanced as well. What, what would you say to that? Because um, you can, I, I, find, I find that I can get a little bit too, too disconnected sometimes as well. Yeah, definitely. And this is one of the challenges of the path. Buddha speaks about the middle way. In esoteric practices and studies, we talk about the razor edge, like the razor sharp, the razor edge way, the razor edge path, which means you're walking a very fine line between of the earth and not of the earth. Mm. So we're having a human experience, but we take the perspective that we're not just our bodies, our emotions, our minds, like I said. We're souls, essentially. So, yeah, we live in this physical world. We've created time to make things efficient, to get Mm. things done. It's kind of the masculine doing, even patriarchal at times, perspective, right? Mm. And then we have the other part of us. In Tantra, we say, you know, the feminine side, the Shakti side, the goddess side, which is the being and the flowing and the creativity and the poetry and the birthing into the world. We have to understand we need day and night. We live in a duality. So while you are here upon this earth, you need to learn balance and harmony. Unless, of course, you want to become a complete nomad, utterly isolated, <laughs> off the grid, have no connection with people, yeah. and just be quite self-focused and introspective. Now, we've actually surpassed this. This was very much the path of the complete mystic, let's say. It was quite popular in the last period we were in, astrologically, which was the period of Pisces. Mm-hmm. And also the shadow to that, or the flip side or the negative side, was that Pisces era was very me, my, I. It was very governed like that. Hence, materialism flourished, and hence our insatiable hunger for more, more, more. Right. And this is still an underground, and probably more than that, like an undernote that governs humanity to this day, even though we're now in the age of Aquarius. Mm. Age of Aquarius is about we. It's about unity. It's about humanity being unified the will to do good for all, the breaking down of walls and barriers, not just literal, but also energetic, emotional, spiritual, dogma, all these kind of things that separate us as nations, that separate us as races, sexes, gender, ideologies, all this kind of thing. We want to unify and bring ourselves back to what is real, not be swept up in the material life and what, let's say, the illusions and glamours of the material world do. Mm. So, yeah, we need to be in this world, we have time frames. We need to get stuff done. We need to create things. Sometimes that's buildings. Sometimes that's gardens. We want to bring more people into this world because most of us, you know, at some point choose to be parents. So there's purpose in the physical side of things in the world. We also want to heal and protect and nurture the earth from a, you know, a tangible physical perspective. But the other side is so important as well. And most of us neglect this because, A, we can't see it. Most of us are disconnected from our feelings, our true feelings, to sense it. And we don't have a sharp enough consciousness to know. So unless it makes us feel good really quickly, like buying something, the high of whatever, Coke, ayahuasca, whatever it is, unless we're going to get these quick fix things in a material fashion, 
is it real? No, it's not real enough for me. Mm. I want it now, and I want it how I want it, and I want it to do what I want it to do. So once again, shift in perspective to understand we need to find harmony because no quick fix, nothing outside of us is actually ever going to be enough. Mm. Enough will never be enough if we keep having to buy and seek outside. Hence, suffering if we keep gripping. And this is something that Buddhism talks about as well. And other religions talk about it. Other philosophies talk about it. It's, it's not as if it's just related to one. It's very universal when we dig deep and see the repeated symbolism, the repeated metaphors, the repeated stories that are shared throughout the ages. Mm. If we grip and hold on to the illusions and the glamours of the world, the feel-good quick fixes, our habits and addictions, it's like gripping at smoke. Just like, you know, you see the incense rising from the stick. Imagine if you gripped that because you're like, oh, yes, that's it. That's the beautiful. That's the sexy. That's the whatever. That's going to make you feel good. Yeah. You open your hand and it's gone. And so what do you do? You turn to grasp for the next bit of smoke and off you go on your tangent. Again, desiring, desiring, seeking, seeking. Never to feel that deep connection to anything real. Never to experience anything of true joy or bliss. You're on you're literally in search for elusive happiness as opposed to inner harmony and connection to something that's greater or just the greatest capacity you have within you. That God within you, the Buddha within you. God, I've, I've got about 50 questions from that stream of consciousness. <laughs> um, God, I love it. Um, I guess, I guess well, God, where can I start? That was awesome. Um, the, I love what you spoke about with the, the old age and the new age. I just read um, Ion by Carl Jung and he spoke about the fish symbolism of Christianity coming into the Pisces age and how, how much of Christianity, Christianity was predicated upon, you know, being swallowed by a fish and then bringing the fish out into the sea, the sea being the subconscious mind and then bringing the light, you know, the lamb, the truth um, from, from within. And you see that in all these, the, these, these stories of Pinocchio saving his father from the whale, um, you know, Simba looking into the, into the abyss of the of the river and then he sees his father and and all these ideas you know that i guess they kind of relate to that hero's journey idea um of the individual very much so the the, the biggest thing that i wanted to talk about from what you just spoke about was the shadow and the pursuit of happiness as opposed to the pursuit of being fulfilled this is a this is a, a relation to the 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 conjunction of opposites, you know, the, the light and the dark and the, the happiness and the sadness. One thing that I would yeah. love to ask you is when we're trying to pursue something, because I do love that idea that we are on this earth for a purpose and we've come back, as, as the Buddha teachings talk about, to, I guess, to fulfill that in, you know, for, for the layman and, and that idea. How do you remove yourself from the attachment of pursuing um, as opposed to just being who you are in the moment whilst you're pursuing? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think I'm with you. Okay. I guess we can do duality and then the other thing to kind of answer the last part of your question is having awareness of, of being love. Because if we're here as a soul, soul is light and love. Mm -hmm. and the foundation of love is is kind of like the will to do good in the world. It's goodwill. And we build on mm. that to a place of selfless service in your sacred union with your beloved, your partner, your wife, your girlfriend, your husband, with your parents, with your colleagues, with people you reach. You do things from a perspective of not expecting anything in return. You do it because you know, A, it is the right thing to do, right being somewhat perhaps 
to be interpreted as altruistic, but really right in the sense of right human relations, mm. the way we're supposed to act as a humanity. Once again, that unifying concept of how do I want to be treated? Well, I want to be treated how I want to treat others. Mm. It's the same thing. We want that connection where we're all equal and respected. And then we kind of build up to the point of actual real love because love is misconstrued as you massage me, I massage you. Yeah. Lots of kisses, chocolates, lingerie, whatever it is. Turn me on, sexy, sexy. And you know, there's a place for romantic notions and hallmark Netflix rom-com versions of it. Yeah. And that can be important in an intimate relationship, granted. But actual love is what we can't lose sight of in its purest position, I suppose. I think that's super, super important. Mm. And especially going back to the shadow and the light, when we find that inner harmony, when we can balance our shadow and light within us as individuals, we reach what's called in Tantra a sacred union. It's like a marriage, an internal marriage. We married our inner masculine, the doing nature, the fiery nature, with our feminine nature, the being nature, the water nature. Mm. And that marriage is the inner harmony. Mm. We can look at that like I touched on before, of the harmonized physical body, emotional body, mental body, clear a channel for soul to work through. You mm. are harmonized. You are an instrument ready for the note to be played on you, right? We are instruments here of service. We are not here to just achieve our little selfish goals and just have a great house and three dogs and five kids and three cars and a holiday, well, every season, you know, these aspirations for these glamours and illusions that are pumped out by the media. Mm. That's not why you're here. And we all know this. It's why people talk of, I just wish, and who was it that said this? Um, I was going to say Jim Carrey. Mm -hmm. He said at one point, and I'd like to think this is a real quote, I believe it to be so, it sounds very him, mm. that he kind of wishes everyone could, you know, have all the money they want. Oh, yes, that was him, yes. To realise that's not the answer mm. because it isn't the answer. What we think we want isn't really what we want. Mm -hmm. It's what our personality thinks will do the trick. Mm. It's not what our heart, our highest mind, our soul wants. Mm. And we're never going to reach that inner marriage, that inner harmony of darkness and light if we can't see this first and foremost. Back to, you know, to being the puppet on the string. But in a deeper reflection of darkness and light, and you mentioned the hero's journey. Mm. The hero's journey can be seen as, as the journey of light. Mm. And we kind of know this. If we've seen any Disney movie in our lives, if we've watched any heroic movie at all, it's a very, it is, it follows the pattern to a T almost, let's say, right? You know, the guy gets confronted or the woman gets confronted with the invitation and they reject it. They can't do this. They're not enough. And mm. somehow then they must have the courage to go off and slay their dragon, whatever capacity that is. It could be an illness. It could be a relationship. You know, and eventually they meet the person who's going to help them do that, the wise teacher, the oracle, the copy reader, the sensei. Yeah. Maybe it's someone in their family, their best friend, the wise one, right, who guides them through the whole trajectory, the whole path somewhat. Maybe it's even their inner voice sometimes, not too often. Mm. And then, you know, they come back renewed, revived, rebirthed to tell the tale, to champion the day. Mm. That's the path of light. The path of darkness, the feminine journey, if you will, goes within to the underworld, to the underbelly, to the darkness within you. And I'm not saying it's our, you know, our really horrific self. It doesn't necessarily mean we're all like bad people. It means, no, no, we have traumas within us that haven't been healed. We have emotions within us that are there for a reason. You know, if they're deep-seated pains and feelings that we thought we kind of dealt with 10 years ago when we did that ceremony or we went to all that healer. Or we had a good chat to grandma who told us what really happened to, you know, dad when he was younger and that's <laughs> why we are the way we are. <laughs> and listen, this is all valuable. 
sometimes they can be springboards into understanding yourself better. But mm. it's not all of it. You have to sit in the mud or you are not going to become a lotus. The lotus springs from the mud, but it sits there in it for some time, really doing the work as we call it. Mm. It's that going within, it's figuring out, let's say taking one element, like one reaction. Perhaps you're someone who, through... I guess a lifetime of rejection or abandonment or abuse or neglect, you've actually walled up your heart. And therefore, in a relationship, as much as you want to feel love and give love, you struggle deeply. You know, so we have a yearning to, to do what we want to do and be what we want to be, but we haven't actually understood why we've created those walls and then finding the key, the way in, to break them down. Mm. So this kind of a journey, and I've actually got a free book on my website, to be honest, which talks Great. about the 10 veils, and anyone can download it from stillmuse.com. I guide you through this because I find it's such a beautiful tool for us all to, to grasp and put in our toolbox. We don't often do the inner work because we're so busy looking outside what we can get and achieve and strive and do and do and do because that's the society we live in. It's very patriarchal. It's very masculine. Mm. We've all kind of gone that way. Mm. Have this place. On its own, it is only half the experience. It is only the light. We're ignoring the darkness, the feminine, the winter, the time where we sit and be and go within and contemplate and meditate and cry and purge or whatever it is, right? I'm not saying you have to go see someone who's going to take you into your past and you do this whole recollection, bring it all up. You might not have to. That's not for everyone. It doesn't have to be like that. Neither do you need to go off and do some kind of ceremony or see a healer. Often people can start the journey within if they have the fortitude and that willpower. But often at one point, just like in the journey of light, the journey of the hero, you do need a wise guide, someone who could be a light bearer in the darkness. This is why I do the work that I do, because most of us at some point need an authentic teacher. Mm. We need someone who can guide us, who can be like a best friend but a mentor, who might be one step ahead or a thousand steps ahead, who can help us see the dark spots, those blind spots within our being that sometimes we miss because we can't see our own habits and addictions sometimes, or we can, but we justify them. We don't understand necessarily where they came from, although we kind of think it might have happened when we were six because so-and-so did this to me. Mm. But it's so much deeper than that, and we are such multifaceted beings like diamonds that it is big work to try and do it on our own. Some of us can do it successfully. Others do need help. So there's no weakness, I want to say, in asking help or seeking for guidance if you feel you're in this dark place. And being aware also there can be psychological crisis which therefore you might need psychotherapy or some kind of professional assistance in that kind of field. Otherwise, it can be spiritual crisis. And Western medicine and conventional methods aren't always aware of that and they can misdiagnose. So looking at something like you know, the work they do or an esoteric path, a Buddhist path, a more spiritual guiding path, then you can have a better understanding of where you're at in that capacity. Mm. So... Sometimes we need to also be aware of where we seek for the guidance and what's right for us in the place that we are in. That's really important too. And to use our discernment with boundaries to make sure that we're honouring our truth when we're following what we feel is right in getting that person to help us. Mm. Don't just think, oh, I better do that because so-and-so did that or that's what everyone does or I just need to do this. No, what is right for you? It's a really big question. What is right for me in this moment? And honour that, honour the guidance to either sit and take some time out, detox social media, speak to your beloved maybe in a close friend and, and not be out there partying and socialising if you need a retreat. Honour the winter of your life as much as you honour the summer. 
Mm. So I guess that kind of touched on the darkness and the light, but we can't neglect one because then we're neglecting the other, essentially, because they're never going to be able to be a complete whole, the yin-yang. The beauty of that sacred inner marriage, it's, it's up to us to find our way there, that's for sure. Mm. And it's so true. I mean, even even with that Taoist approach, the, the beautiful thing about the yin-yang is that there is light in the dark and dark in the light, and they knew that, you know, at any point in time, they can switch completely, and then the light can become the dark, and the dark can become the light, but it's up to us to just move through and welcome that change as, as hard as it can be, um, you know, with, within that moment. I uh, really but like you know what... Yeah. Fish? Oh, did they? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. That's really interesting. Wow, that's classic. And just like the Vesica Pisces as well, which is, you know, a fish. And even the Yoni, which in Tantra is the sacred sex centre for women, mm. is symbolised often like a fish. Yeah. It's it's very much connected in that sense. And obviously, this is the underworld. This is the water. It's the unknown territory and terrain. It's not the, the kind of the ground and the earth that we're used to, which is more masculine. Mm. It's the underworld. Mm-hmm. So it's... All these symbols, very suggestive and very subtle. We can easily miss them, but if we open our eyes, we can see it's there. Mm. It's the sacred feminine that was pushed underground, just like when they destroyed many of the goddess statues to make it all masculine. This goes back through time. So unfortunately, just as the feminine has been suppressed, like women didn't get the vote until however long, Mm. it's also the suppression of the feminine within each of us as a humane collective. So that's why talking about the darkness it's almost like taboo in a sense, or it makes us feel not good enough or inferior or there's something wrong with us. It's kind of been shaped like that. We've been fed that story somewhat. It hasn't been glorified like the light, like the hero's journey. Mm, that's so, so true. So keep that in mind too that, yeah, we're affected so much by culture and environment and politics yep. and, yeah, our family lines. There's so many things that have influenced us to kind of miss the importance of doing that shadow work, as sometimes they call it in the New Age world, or looking really into our truth, who we really are, what's really going on within us, that needs to be resolved and worked through and healed so we can become more aligned. Absolutely. And I think um, one thing that people do have to re- to have to understand, um, maybe more so, um, <clears throat> you know, if you're a bloke, is that we have these um, these these opposites within ourselves as well. They're not just, oh, okay, so I need to go find a girlfriend now and then open up about my feelings. It's not It's not about that. It's um, There is the masculine in the man just as there is the feminine in the man, you know, which, like you said before, is the, the creativity, the, um, the the darkness and the, the um, you know, that stuff that you can't make sense of logically, you know, but it's so amazing yeah, to go in there flow. and see that. Yeah, the flow, that's right. Mm. Yeah. 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 Definitely. In Tantra, sometimes I show some of my clients a yin-yang, but instead of it just being black with a bit of white and white with a bit of black, I have fire with a bit of water in it, mm. you know, for the masculine, and then water with a bit of fire for the woman. Mm. And help you understand that, let's say you're a man and you identify masculine, because obviously people identify all differently. Yep. A man who identifies very masculine has a heterosexual relationship, perhaps. He, yes, is mainly masculine energy, mm-hmm. energy, right? Vibration, however you want to call it. But there is a component to him of feminine nature. And this means sometimes he needs to chill. Sometimes he needs to get out in nature and go for a surf. Sometimes he needs to cook dinner. Sometimes he needs to go get a massage or go for a float or, yeah, have a heart-filling conversation with his beloved, his best mate, his mom or dad, brother, sister, whatever. 
that his feminine nature? That needs to be nourished too. Does he live and dwell in that? Most likely not. Mm. And he'd feel probably masculine enough if he did dwell in that. Not for everyone, but let's say the majority. Mm-hmm. But that needs to balance, obviously, with his masculine fiery side, which doesn't just get out there and slay the dragons and do and succeed and get stuff done. It also actually needs to hold space. Mm. It's like the rock or the oak tree, right? And the feminine is then the water that goes around the rock, all fluid and dancing, or she's like the chaotic storm that blows his branches and his leaves sometimes. And when he is truly in a state of harmony as the man, doesn't react to her and erupt or be angry, he holds that space, he lets her express, not project, I'm not saying you tolerate abuse, but he lets her express, he lets her be herself, Mm. be, right? He's doing is standing strong and holding space, with, which means fierce presence, which means loving her with everything he has within him. It's a very, very demanding position to be in, and yet when a man can do that, that is truly honouring masculinity. Mm. Because if you become angry, it is actually the lowest form of expression. Anger is, there's no strength in anger. Mm. When a man becomes angry, or anyone for that matter, but it's a very masculine quality that we all have at times. There is no truth or love or beauty or kindness in that. It is actually a sign of weakness. Mm. A sign of a strong man is a man who can hold space. And sometimes it's holding space for his best mate who might be in a feminine space talking about his divorce that's coming up. Or, you know, the child they're trying to have but can't. Or he's being laid off from his job or he's really lost in life, doesn't want to do with himself. As the man, you hold space. Now, you flip that. Part of the feminine, her little bit of fire, sometimes she has to hold space. Yes. Sometimes she's the one that has to do that for the children, for the beloved. But if she does that all the time, if she's in a masculine doing role, holding space for everyone 24-7, what happens? She gets cranky. She feels like she's lost herself. They're going to want to cook dinner tonight. You're sure as hell not going to have any physical intimacy. So you have to also make sure if you're in this relationship that... The feminine gets nurtured. The woman has to ideally take charge of that and make sure she has a bit of time out. The masculine needs to nourish that and make sure she does too. Mm. Now, obviously, this is a very fluid conversation. It depends if you're in the feminine or your masculine or where you are, but we need to make sure if we're in a relationship that we understand there's three points here like a triangle. There is you, there is your beloved, there is the relationship. And in order for there to be harmony, for there to be soul connection with all of that, the man or the masculine needs to be nourished, the female or feminine needs to be nourished, and the relationship needs to be nourished. Mm. If one of those is not, something's going to break eventually, even if you hold it together for a while. It will be undernourished. It will deteriorate and die. Mm. They all need to be nourished. So whether you're in a relationship or not, you need to think of either just yourself or people you serve, or if you're in a relationship, you need to think about your beloved as an individual, as a being, as a soul, with their own thoughts, their own feelings, their own body needs. And then what the relationship needs. Mm, and that's yeah. another thing we have to think about in regards to love and selfless service and that will to do good in the world because a relationship is, is part of your dharma. A relationship is part of your loving service on this earth. People think, oh, I've got so much to do. Like, there's no time for that. No, no, that is part of your work. Yes. That is part of your work. That yes. That is part of your evolution, your consciousness, your spiritual growth, <clears throat> whatever it is. Relationships are what control so much of what goes on. Think of everything you do right now. We've got a connection. This is relating to each other, human relations. Mm. You cannot go through a day really without either relating to yourself or other people. Mm. It is like absolutely paramount that you learn to relate to a place of love and kindness, compassion, non-judgment, humility. Mm. 
if nothing else, then the will to do good at bare minimum. Absolutely. And I think um, even even further to that, we find ourselves doing things that we do want to do and we neglect the things that we really don't want to do without even potentially knowing that we don't want to do them. <laughs> so if you start, oh, yeah. you know, if you start... Well, that's exactly right. Exactly. Yeah. So, so what would you say to a, um, a couple uh, listening in that kind of want to start on this path because maybe not this path to, to, you know, to use that terminology, but just want to get more out of the relationship because they're always, you know, they're always like fighting against each other and then the man goes off and does what he needs to do and the, the woman feels neglected or whatever, whatever it tends to be. Like, how can they begin to... Um, build that communication and, and build that ability to just dance off one another, essentially? Yeah, great question. And the dance vision is really important because it is a dance. It's a back and forth, it's a giving and taking, it's a receiving and nurturing. Mm. So number one, we have two people in this, so both parties have to be willing. If one of you is and one of you isn't, how's this going to work? So yeah. you have to both agree that you want to do this, and that means we step up, we show up, we do the work. So at times... If one person doesn't really feel like it, but the other one does, you, you might have to sometimes have a chat about this and go, okay, maybe this isn't working. Just kind of here and there, you go off, I don't do this. Let's set some time. Now, this might sound unromantic for some people. I call it scheduling sacred sessions or date night, whatever you want to call it. But this doesn't mean you have to pen in when you're going to make love. It can just mean that you put in your calendar, you schedule your busy, busy work week fortnight, whatever, non-negotiable time to be with your beloved and invest in the relationship. Mm. Now, for some people, this might be we go to dinner, we see a show. For some people, it might be we're going to sit around the table and we're going to go through what it is that we want to achieve together this year because we want to work at building a nest egg to get a house, Mm. to go traveling, to start perhaps trying to have a baby. So it doesn't have to be, as I said, anything specific can be what's important to you both. And yeah, it can also be making love or just intimacy. It can just be cuddling and snuggling and kissing and touching. It can be doing a naked dinner together. It can be going, <laughs> sure. together. It can be going for a hike together. You know, the world's your oyster. Use your creativity. Be open. Try new things. But it has to be a we decision. Not a you, not a me. Unless, of course, you want to take that approach. I choose this time, you choose next time. So there's some harmony and balance, mm. right? And as always, find your flow, find what's right for you as the couple. But that setting the actual time, it can be seen as, yeah, lack of romance for some people or lack of spontaneity. But I like to see it as, no, no, you're valuing the relationship. And just like you would put in a really important business meeting or catch up with an investor or your friend you haven't seen for ages because you want to hear all about their life, you're valuing your partnership just as much. Mm. This is integral because in the fast pace where we live in, with all the stuff we want to do, things that are important to us, we can get so caught up. And so, not just caught up in the doing, but caught up in our own emotions, caught up in our own thoughts, caught up in the busying of life, right? It's called busy lazy in the modern world. We fill our time with stuff. We'll be scanning social media. Just imagine how much time you might have spent on social media in a week, especially Mm. if you run a business or you're an entrepreneur or, you know, you're self-funded or anything like that. Anything that's connected to it personally and professionally, even more time invested. Mm. But imagine if you pull back a bit from that and put that into doing something for your beloved. You know? Absolutely. And there's other little things you can do, like, you know, phones off at a certain time, phones out of the bedroom, no devices in the bedroom, dinner together at the table at least once a week to talk about the highs and the lows, how you're feeling and whatever's going on. 
because communication is key and we know this any therapist or psychologist will tell you this but we don't understand to kind of what degree and how communication can be expressed because we also know communication isn't just in words Mm. it's in body language it's in how we are so in all this time that you're scheduling together it's about being present you can't be on the phone just i'll finish off this call i'll be there in a sec no 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 (laughs) you're 100 percent there you're 100% there. Mm. It is imperative for someone then to feel safe, secure, loved, cherished, held, kind of values we talk about in a tantric lifestyle. In order for someone to actually feel that, you have to be doing it. Because mm. most people, once they become slightly attuned, and most of us in a relationship, we can feel when our beloved's upset or angry or off. They know you that well. So if you're with them, but you're not really with them, you're too busy checking the cricket score or whatever it is on sale on eBay and you're thinking about this and they're telling you something really important and you're just not there, they're either going to get angry and react or they're going to close up. Either way, it's not going to help the exchange of love and intimacy that fanning the flame of maybe a sexual desire or maybe a romantic desire or whatever it is that we're working on here. So be acutely aware that your thoughts, your feelings, your physical body, it all needs to be in alignment in that moment to be present with your beloved. Mm. So fear is present whilst you're with them and with them because you've scheduled sacred time on a regular basis to share that time together doing whatever it is that resonates with you too absolutely that's where i'd say is a good place to start um i can share some links with you there as well because i've I've written a couple of articles about that as well yes please do um i'll I'll get all of your um stuff you know the show as well because i'll i'll put it up and i'll make sure that all the listeners can um can contact you nice and easily too i've got one final question for you lise and the the you alluded to a concept of you know making time for dinner and, and you know with your with your couple and all this sort of stuff and you can do it on an individual note too just to become more aware and authentic it's when you when you start it's very hard for people to actually be honest with themselves and, and actually not talk in lies because they're so um, insecure about those darker parts or well, not necessarily darker but you know tougher parts of their soul I guess and what, what would be a good tool to, to start that journey towards authenticity, do you think? Yeah, I like that. And I guess it's really about letting go of the judgment of self, which is easier said than done. Mm. But just reminding yourself that you're here having a human experience, that no matter what you see on social media, on a movie, in the paper, everyone, no matter where they are, is struggling with something. And I say this personally and professionally. The people that I deal with, some of them extreme high achievers from all around the world in various walks of life, some people who have been celebrity status, you name it. It doesn't matter what they have achieved. Mm. There is something that they're coming to me to work through. So we have a glamour and illusion and misconception that, oh, my God, I, I'm, I'm terrible. I'm not enough. It's something that, you know, I've. I just can't work through. I must be the only one. And Mm. then we can spiral into the poor me or the victimhood or once again, denial, not facing our shadow because quite frankly, it is too hard. Mm. Hence, we take the path of least resistance and we just put on our smiley face, put on our mask and go to work or go into the world like that, never to see the darkness again. So we've got to get real. Once again, we've got to be willing to do that. And it doesn't mean we have to open all of Pandora's box. You can just take a slice of the darkness pie. Yeah. And sit with that. Yes. You know, what is it really that is actually quite serious in your life or perhaps really 
Risha's expiration date, something that you really actually would love to genuinely change. And I'm not saying fit into a, a size 8 if you're a size 14 or find the perfect partner. No, no, this is something beyond those things and it is within you. What is it that's holding you back? Is it your thoughts? Is it that criticism and judgment? Is it the fact that perhaps there's something really painful, traumatic that has happened in your past that you haven't really been able to explore? Mm. Do you need to journal it? Do you need to sit with it? Do you need to learn meditation or contemplation practice? Do you need to find someone who's a professional in the field who can assist and guide you? So you've got to sit with it a little bit to kind of get a little bit of clarity and then be able to make a conscious choice, mm. free from judgment, as loving and kind as you can be upon yourself, but knowing also there has to be a sense of firmness, let's say, to then take that action. Mm. Loving and firm, like a good parent, right? Yes. That's how we have to be with this, this lower nature, this personality of ourselves, that inner child or the teenager or the angry adult, or whatever it is that's, that's within us that hasn't healed, essentially. Mm. Absolutely. Elise, um, where can people find you? And um, you mentioned that you had a book on your website too? Yeah, the best place to find me is at stellamuse.com and that's Stella with an A. As soon as you hit the landing page, there'll be a box at the top there that will invite oh, you to put your email in and you can get the 10 Veils book for free. And when I say a book, I mean it's a book. Like, it's a workbook too. So while you read each chapter at the end, I've got questions there to help guide you through that inner kind of dark feminine underbelly journey mm. right so it's very practical very hands-on i suggest you print it off to be honest and use it as like an actual guide and a manual and a go-to and if you do choose to do it take your time there's no rush you might find percolating letting things be and sit and simmer more things will come up and that's what we want we don't just want to do a rush job dust ourselves off and off we go again yeah We're superheroes of the world we want to sit in the mud for as long as it takes for us to slowly kind of push our way out and become blossoms mm. like the lotus, right? So, yeah, and obviously if sacred guidance or tantra or healing or anything resonates, you're welcome to contact me from the contact page at elise at stellamuse.com and I work with people all around the world so it doesn't matter what city you're in, we can make work something out. Perfect. And um, like I said, guys, I'll, I'll put all of the, uh, the, inf the relevant information up on... Um, on my socials as well, so you can find it easily. Thanks so much for coming on the show. I was, I've honestly been very, very keen to talk to you for quite a while, actually. So that was great. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Tom, and all the best with this My Mate podcast. I think, especially from a male's perspective, we need more of this out there. So I'm really proud of you, and I really commend you. It's, it's courageous to have these conversations, and I think more of us need to hear it. So thank you for what you bring to the world as well, mate. Beautiful. Thanks heaps. All right, team. Really hope you enjoyed that one. Got some links that I want to share with you about uh, Elise's work. So you can actually find her on her website. You can click contact form, but her website is again, www.stellamuse.com. Uh, she has requested that you read an article and some of the stuff we explored on the podcast was about love making and love giving. And I got this these ideas from a book I read from Viktor Frankl, who was a psychotherapist and he was also in the Holocaust. But he said that when you endeavor to pursue something that's meaningful or you find someone, so we're talking about lovemaking here, obviously with a partner. I mean, you can do it with yourself, but you know, you can have a bit of fun there. Uh, so if you are doing it with, with, a, with a partner, let's say you're having sex or something, the idea is to, to give to that partner as opposed to receive. And the way that um, 
Viktor Frankl talks about it is that the idea isn't to essentially like masturbate on someone else, which is pretty like, you know, um, brutal terminology. But the idea is that how can you be more of a giver in the relationship? And her article, which is really cool, it's not too deep, but it's just sacred sessions, scheduling, lovemaking. You can find that um, on her article side on her website as well, which is essentially just creating time to be with your partner. And that's something that maybe you do it, maybe you don't do it. But it's always beneficial that if you are working, if you are in a relationship, you want to be working on the relationship just as much as you want to be working on yourself. Um, so it's a it's a really practical guide, and um, it's really cool. She also has a video on YouTube, um, so you can you can find that by looking up Elise herself. And the video is just know yourself beyond the body, heart, and mind. So what lies deeper? Um, between, you know, deeper below the the thoughts and the feelings and the identity. So lots of interesting stuff there, guys. I hope I haven't bombarded you and I will speak to you next week. Bye.